Welcome to Decarbonizing Commerce, where we explore what's new, interesting, and actionable at the intersection of climate innovation and commerce. I'm your host, Keith Anderson, and together we'll meet entrepreneurs and innovators reinventing retail, e-commerce, and consumer products through the lenses of low carbon and commercial viability. Welcome to the Decarbonizing Commerce podcast. I'm your host, Keith Anderson. And today's guest is Emily Fultz, Vice President, Marketing and Sustainability North America for The Humble Company, an oral care brand that was the creator, uh, one of the first, if not the first, creator of bamboo toothbrushes, really trying to reinvent the oral care category in some interesting ways. And before Emily was at the Humble Company, she has a career in all kinds of functional roles uh, in areas like omni-channel and category management and shopper marketing and brand management at some of the biggest names in the CPG industry, Henkel, Campbell's, and most recently at Clorox. So I thought it was really interesting that Emily has built a career uh, and followed a trajectory from big CPGs to an emerging brand and has evolved her career from conventional commercial functional uh, roles to a leadership role at Humble that includes some traditional functions, but is also overseeing sustainability. And I was really eager to meet her and learn more about how she uh, made that jump in her career and how she's approaching her work at The Humble Company. So let's meet Emily Fultz of The Humble Company. Emily, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you for including me, Keith. I've been looking forward to it. So have I. And you are Vice President Marketing and Sustainability at The Humble Company. Can you tell us more about what you do and how you came to do that at The Humble Company? Sure, sure. So I am the um, really the leader of this function, and it is a pretty small team in North America. We were founded in Sweden by a former dentist that saw the need for more environmental solutions uh, to waste in oceans and a way that he could impact that was through the invention um, and launch of the bamboo toothbrush. And so I had spent about 13 years working for Clorox in, in different roles and functions. And I found that this would be a kind of a neat next step for me to take a function and expand it into sustainability for another organization. I think I, I mentioned this to you when we were first speaking, but as a former consultant, I can't resist four box frameworks. And okay. when I when I looked at your background, mm -hmm. I sort of pictured, you know, on one axis, commercial experience leading up into sustainability and on the other axis, big CPG companies. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you named Clorox, but you yes. have experience at several other big CPG companies. Yes. And then eventually joining an emerging brand. And so to me, it's really interesting. And I hope we get a, a chance to go into a little detail on some of the comparisons and 
the contrast between working in purely commercial roles and then taking mm -hmm. on work that involves sustainability and what's similar and different about working inside of a big incumbent CPG versus a newer emerging player? Yes, I think it boils down to kind of where you start your career is often where you end up. Um, I started out my career um, coming out of undergraduate from Santa Clara University, and I moved overseas, and I worked as an English teacher in Italy. And I just fell in love with Western Europe, and I knew I wanted to have an opportunity to work for a European company someday as well. So um, I came back from that experience, and I went back and I got my master's in business at Thunderbird, which is an international business school in Arizona, and came out of that experience and coming up, you know, young with an MBA, very ambitious, I went for an Italian company that imported Italian foods into the U.S. marketplace, and I built that small brand. And I, what I realized in that experience was I had a lot of curiosity and love for marketing, but I didn't have a lot of the traditional training that I felt I needed to be a successor in my um, career with. So that's when I went to work for Starbucks ice cream. And that was based in Oakland, California. And it was in the dryers headquarters. And I had the opportunity to build a brand from scratch. Um, and I worked with some great marketers there where I did everything from package design to portfolio development, to copywriting, to national sampling. And I was making a lot of um, reporting really to our joint venture at the time, which was with Starbucks and dryers. And I realized that when I was doing this reporting, I really wanted to have more of an analytics understanding. So I decided my next career step would go to work for IRI. And I worked for them, now Circana, um, but IRI at the time. And I was a vendor services manager at the Safeway headquarters, where I partnered with large CPG brands on their analytics and positioning for sale at Safeway. And from there, I had a great exposure to all different types of analytical suites and category management. And then Campbell Soup tapped me on the shoulder and they said, we'd like to have you come work for us. And so Campbell Soup, I spent about five years there and mainly in this category management function. I worked on the Prego business and then the soup business. And then because of my brand background, they tapped me on the shoulder when it was time to start shopper marketing. They had not been in this function yet. And so I had the chance along with three other people to create that function at Campbell Soup. And I fell in love with it. I love the opportunity to bring a brand to life with retailers um, and to kind of put some of that creative focus um, at shelf and in store. So I worked for them for a long time. I loved it. And then um, my family and I, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I reside. And I um, decided that I really wanted to continue in shopper marketing. And so a couple, a little while after I moved to Charlotte, I went to work for Clorox. And at Clorox, I was able to really get a touch on multiple channels of trade. I worked with home hardware. I worked with the Dollar Channel. I worked with Target, um, really across all the brands at Clorox. And I had a, chop, a chance to really work with teams of people. And so I really feel that this this industry is this opportunity to partner um, across functions to really build a brand. And so I had a chance to do that with, um, with my peers and with those retailers. 
And one of my accounts um, was Lowe's Home Hardware. And at the time, they were really getting into e-commerce in a big way. And I had a chance to really push the organization and myself to learn in this um, burgeoning space. And so um, really learning about the digital shelf and new technologies and influencing the retailer to also evolve, you know, either even further in this space. And so um, with that, after really being... I think we had great success with that account. Um, I was asked to join a part of the Chloros organization, which was the Omnichannel uh, category leadership program. And so I worked with an industry leader, Ann Zabowski, um, and our team was small but, but mighty. And we were able to coach our existing retailer sales organization across the field on how to win with e-commerce and omni-channel. So that was a fantastic field. I absolutely loved it, the exposure, the learning, and the application. And so it felt at that point, there was an opportunity for me to go and kind of bring those learnings and experiences and make it a little bit broader than one function. And so I've had that opportunity at the Humble Co. I lead both the marketing function as well as our, obviously, our sustainability area for North America. And I also guide our e-commerce and insights. It's, again, it's a lean team, so I couldn't do it alone. I have a fantastic team of um, people with small levels of experience uh, to my CEO, Rich Hewton, who has had a grand tenure really within consumer packaged goods that I learned from every day. It's so interesting to me listening to some of the different functions and, and disciplines that you've worked within. Mm-hmm. And I, I recall in the early days of shopper marketing when it was, you know, the first moment of truth was introduced to the industry as a concept and, Many CPG brands got a much deeper appreciation for what it meant to influence and win at the physical shelf. Mm-hmm. And I sort of watched, and I guess our paths actually intersected during this next phase when digital and omnichannel became such a big part of where growth in the industry was being sourced. Mm-hmm. And to your point about cross functional, it changed so much of the work that I think in many companies for many reasons is siloed, but it's, it's hard as time goes on to succeed at building a brand or winning at the digital shelf or uh, any of these important disciplines if you're working in a vacuum. Uh, And, and I think it's so interesting and important to have people who have, not only worked with the different teams, but uh, have worn those hats and can empathize and relate to what somebody who's working on packaging or working on what's our portfolio strategy for the next three years, uh, any of those considerations, Mm -hmm. while they're also trying to keep up with whatever the fastest moving new trend is. And that sort of leads us to sustainability because... Candidly, I, I don't think it has quite hit the way that these other uh, disciplines did in in their moments of peak interest. Mm-hmm. But I think the next three years 
are going to move very quickly. And yeah. And so I, I think, you know, it's, it's going to be very useful in your work and to your company, I'm sure Mm -hmm. to have been through similar transitions when a new discipline with new considerations about consumers and customers is suddenly changing Mm -hmm. the work in all these conventional areas. Yeah. And I think sustainability is one of these terms that is thrown out pretty loosely within organizations. And I feel like it's always, there's, you know, there's definitions of sustainability and then there's ways to enact sustainable action within your organization. And so I think traditionally we have, you know, consumer packaged goods companies are made motivated by short-term, um, profit motive. And sometimes that is not aligned with sustainability. And so creating a platform to get reaction from your organization in a meaningful way. I think that the B-cert that is, you know, becoming more prevalent across a lot of the natural channel Um, in oral care. I see that, you know, several companies are now certified B corporations. And so that is, that's my goal. Uh, is that we are in that space over the next three to five years, maybe sooner. Um, But I do feel that that understanding of there's not just one way to be sustainable. It's our actions every day. It's how we treat our employees, how we pay our employees. It's also how we um, address our packaging and our product and how we get that from distribution all the way back to the manufacturing cycle. And so I think what we're going to see in the next three to five years is a hyper-focus there. I think from everything we're hearing about the UN, right, like the UN climate meetings where U.S. and China were not invited to the table because we haven't made enough action in that space. So I see that that as kind of a challenge for all of us in consumer packaged goods to have a seat at that table moving forward. I think that we have um, a lot of passion in the space and a lot of creativity. I think the United States, we are full of the most creative people on earth. So I feel like we have the talent and the capability to get there. You know, how can we, you know, put pressure on our own internal systems to shop, go local, right? Local is the best. So trying to keep product off the seas when we can. Um, How can we use less virgin plastic in our products? I think PCR, post-consumable recycled goods of plastic in goods is a step in the right direction, not all all the way to bright. I see a lot of opportunity in protein-based packaging that's going to come our way. And this is all in the best interest of Mother Nature. So I think that the more we can evolve our companies and the people that work for them to be aware in this space, is really important too. It can't just be one sustainable champion in your organization. It needs to be a part of your fabric. So one area that we've made action on as a company um, really globally is I've just led um, with my my partners at the Humble Co. a new um, mission and core vision statement work that's really grounded in people and planet first humbly is where we're leaning towards. We haven't fern- we haven't finalized the mission statement, but I think that as long as our core values are aligned to get there, it's taking steps in that direction. But it needs to be the fabric of the, I think, the area of the organization that you work in. Well, you've touched on a couple, I think, common challenges, one of which is the incentive 
models aren't always aligned between essentially a company's sort of core purpose, which is often to make a profit. Uh, And I I think secondly, the importance of linking some of the vision and the mission to everyday action. Mm -hmm. And, and I know you're in the midst of this work. It's not, uh, it's not done. It's probably never done, but can you, Tell us more about what is so appealing about the B Corps uh, designation. What kind of commitments and changes you think that's going to bring to an organization like yours? And and how do you think as you refine and and ratify this new vision and mission, mm-hmm. how, how are you going to link that to some of these everyday decisions and, and functions across mm-hmm. the company? Well, I think to motivate change, we do need to address, um, you know, sales and profit. And so I think one of the areas that I see um, evolving too is that, you know, Gen Z is coming right on the heels of really addressing a lot more of the wallet of the American shopper. And they are voting towards the environment. So I think, you know, as we think about short-term versus long a long-term viability for brands, I think it only makes sense to make steps in the right direction. Um, I think, you know, B Corp is kind of the most broadly understood certification um, globally. And so what I'm excited about as I enter into this work with my team is it's not just about knowing what your carbon footprint is. Um, There's a lot more to it than that. So it's, again, how we treat our employees, 360 reviews, um, making sure that there's not such a large wage disparity across an organization. So these are all elements um, of getting the certification. And again, I haven't initiated the work yet within my, my humble co yet. I'm still in the evaluation framework. Um, so maybe next year when I come back and speak, Keith, I can talk a little bit more about our experience. Fair enough. Uh, and, and I think it's, important to emphasize uh, how holistic some of those considerations are. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think part of the reason it's appealing to so many companies is it does force you to think about the relationship between these different uh, elements of building a company and operating a company mm-hmm. uh, through these lenses of uh so many important factors about how are we going to operate fairly and equitably and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, play the long game. And I'm reminded again, as as you mentioned, Gen Z, in the early days of the growth of e-commerce and online grocery, it, it was a very similar conversation about millennials. Uh, Mm -hmm. that is, you know, I helped produce analyses that when you charted the data would show, okay, here's the breakdown of income and consumption by cohort today. Uh, And here's the projection of when they're going to reach their peak consumption years. That is, they're going to get married. They're going to form households. They're going to buy pets. They're going to have kids. And those are among the bigger drivers of expanded consumption. And in those days we were 
emphasizing that the way they were shopping and buying differently was mediated by technology. They, they were digitally native. They were buying through a screen mm -hmm. and the whole transformation discussion was about, to your earlier point about thinking beyond the next quarter, uh, how do we walk that tightrope between the way that we've always done things while acknowledging things are going to be different in three, five, 10 years. Uh, and it may seem slow for a long time and then it's going to seem sudden, uh, yeah. as that rotation happens. And now I see the same sort of thing happening both with Gen Z, uh, and others. I mean, not unlike mm -hmm. what happened with digital as time went on, there certainly are the early adopters who care the most and change their behavior more dramatically and earlier. But over time, you sort of see the flywheel effect of, mm -hmm. well, as, as their desires are met with more selection and more choices in the marketplace, suddenly more people are exposed and start making similar choices. And before you know it, uh, things look really different. Mm -hmm. you, you've worked for some of the largest brands in the industry. You're working for uh, an emerging brand now. What, what mm -hmm. are some of the really key distinctions, both in a general sense and then in a sustainability sense? Well, my ability to impact on a mega scale is diminished. So I, but I do feel that on a smaller scale to start building a brand really in the North America market is so, is very rewarding. So I think, you know, beyond budget um, differences, there is this opportunity to engage in a different way than I've ever experienced before. Again, Keith, you know, I came from very functional backgrounds. So category management, brand, um, omni-channel, e-commerce. And this, this role that I'm in now is really more broad scoped where I have the chance to guide multiple functions at once. And so I think what I've realized through this experience is that it's really rewarding owning multiple functions and especially, I think, in sustainability to make sure that we're being true across the different elements of our business and talking more synchronously um, on our mission. So I think that's very rewarding. Also, I'm at a stage in my career where I have a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. I don't say that to be overly confident. I say that because I work with this team of young people that truly want to learn and they are asking for my information and working with it. And I see their growth. And there's a certain amount of reward in that just to see that evolve and see their skill sets grow. So I think that that's a real tangible. Also, you know, I've seen tremendous growth on our brand. So it's not just doing good work with good people and having fun. It's also I'm seeing the numbers. And so when I came in to the organization, we didn't yet have uh, consumer data. And so I've done a small purchase um, with spins, which is really focused on the natural channel. And the natural channel is where we've really focused in most of our uh, retail brick and mortar focus. 
um, because that's where our shoppers are. They're the ones that are looking for a bamboo toothbrush or for, you know, a floss, a floss pick that is plant-based. Um, and so post-consumer recycled product. Um, so that's been a wonderfully rewarding thing to see and start to track our progress. And so, you know, we have um, also now kind of now that we've have this solid foundation in the natural channel, we are starting to see really great traction within the NPL, which is the natural products um, area of food, as well as Mulo which means that those shoppers aren't just going to the natural food stores. They're also buying groceries and they're seeing our brand and it resonates with them from a value-based um, place. And so that's been really fun. It's also, it's freeing in the way of, I think traditional large CPG brands, they have a very defined brand communication platform. And where we have brand guidelines, we also have this ability to flex our creative and identify more with, you know, raw content uh, with our, within our social media channels. And that's been super fun too, where we are able to lay out our annual plan and really focus in on, you know, key events that make sense for us. You know, we are a natural Swedish oral care company. And so we, you know, we can celebrate different holidays um, that are meaningful for our shoppers and we can participate in different ways. Are there any favorite holidays that we should all be uh, celebrating? You should all be celebrating summer solstice for sure. That is a super fun time of year. Um, very festive and rewarding. And I also think there is this kind of clean, simplistic Swedish vibe that our brand has that I think resonates with, you know, the whole kind of cleaning out your house, cleaning out your mind, being more mindful in your approach to life, which I'm really excited to play with more, you know, moving forward. I can tell you my neighborhood throws many block parties, but one of my yeah. favorites is the summer solstice, solstice oh, yeah? block party. So <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going to take the, uh, you know, different holiday celebrations, but I'm happy that <laughs> that's one that I have been celebrating for the last few years. Good job. You mentioned your background comes from highly functional roles. And I think it's super interesting to hear you talk about now at this stage of your career in, in the company and the role that you're in with oversight of several different functions at once, uh, one of which is sustainability. Mm. I mean, I, I think when I tell people what I'm doing and, uh, you know, sustainability or climate comes up, the the natural first thought is it's all about uh, switching your sources of energy or changing how you heat and cool the production facilities. And truthfully, those are all immense parts of it and they're a big deal. But where I see so much potential and I think, you know, whether it's from regulations, as you mentioned, or... Uh, competition among the retailers and brands, I think there's going to be a lot of business model transformation too. And so in some of these areas that you are focused, you've mentioned packaging. Where do you see mm -hmm. synergy between marketing and omni-channel or e-commerce and sustainability? Are there other areas that through your perspective as a functional 
expert, you're already finding promising opportunities to change how you go to market uh, that also Mm -hmm. have benefits in other areas? Yeah. So I think that there's always different um, challenges with different channels in which you sell your goods. So, you know, with Amazon, we have, um, we found a lot of success. And so we can pull some of that success in the way of keywords and product um, and also how we package our goods so that we can help lessen our certain fees that are associated with doing business on Amazon, like our FBA fees, where we are able to really navigate what the weight and dimensions are of our items so that we can lower that cost and then focus it really towards different ways to market our product from DSP, which we are you know, recently engaging with, as well as um, different programs. And so I think that we take a lot of learnings from there and we're able to apply it to our digital shelf and to our packaging. So I think it's this, it's a constant continuum really of learnings that we're finding um, that are working in one channel and applying it to another. So I would say that as well as how to inspire some change. So often retailers really respond, I think, to seeing what's working at other retailers and when they're leaning in um, to sustainability and how it's being proactive in growth. And so again, I lean on the analytics side of the house where uh, comparing the, the natural products compared to the total collection of products that are being sold and to show that the natural products really are outperform, outperforming by and large, both in Mulo and in food, to say and to share with retailers that it's okay to kind of lean in to some of these um, nascent brands that are providing something different for their shoppers. So, but I also, you know, I, I think I've changed my shopping behavior as well uh, as I've been involved in this space. And so I think that we can all take little changes. So maybe when you're reaching for a plastic bottle of water, you kind of shift and, you know, grab something out of your faucet or, um, you know, when you're thinking about heating and cooling your home, maybe you think about if you're going to stay in your home for more than 10 years to invest in some home solar. There's just little steps that we can take as humans that if enough of us take steps there, I think it's going to step us in the right direction. Hey folks, this is the part of the show where we say thank you and see you soon to the general audience plus and higher tier members of Decarbonize.co. Stay tuned for the rest of the episode.